0: Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com/slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkouts not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your fam. I'm your host, Seiko Smith, here in Atlanta. And we are clawing our way towards the showcase day around the NBA. We've had opening night. Saw what the first blush of the season looked like. But uh, getting to the showcase game and cranking it up with us here today is a, a special guest guy I'm a huge fan of and glad to have him on the show here, uh, Master Tez. Senior writer, on-air talent for Bleacher Report and the, uh, the host of the fantastic Untold Stories. I know you've seen him and cracked up and enjoyed all of the great stuff he's given us there on that platform, man. Master, how are you, sir? Appreciate you coming on and uh, Happy holidays, bro. Hey, happy
2: holidays, man. It's, it's an honor, man. It's someone that looked up to you, man, and, and still looks up to you, man. It, I, I appreciate you for having me on this platform, man. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. No doubt, no doubt. I, and I see you rocking the Mavs. Oh, y'all, y'all already know. You know what I'm saying? I'm back home in Dallas right now. You know what I'm saying? Okay. One of the few blessings of, of what's happened for 2020, being able to come back home to the crib. But if you ain't got a number 77 seven right now in the DFW, bro, you, you're <laughs> just missing out. Like, you got to have the 77 to match the 41.
1: You know what I'm saying? That's that's what we have. This transition right now. It's beautiful. Opening night, man, in, in such a strange season, a little over 70 days between the end of the one season and the start of the next. What was your... How did you digest opening night? The, the action, the players, the matchups? I mean, you had to look at KD,
2: you know, just it's it's been so long since we've seen him just kind of seeing what shape he's in. He, he's kind of tried to downplay where he's at right now and still sh- sharing how he hasn't been comfortable during preseason, even though we've seen so many great clips and highlights that kind of display vintage KD. And I think all those questions are gone at this point, man. He he balled out last night and, uh, against the Warriors and, you know, as the Warriors, who knows what they're going to look like now without Clay this season. But, man, seeing that level of of play from KD from the jump, it, it's it's going to be exciting to see what the Nets look like. And not only that, seeing how him and Kyrie were able to work together with the depth that they have in Brooklyn, man, that's that's a scary team that I think a lot of us understood on paper that they could be really good and could be the best team coming out of the East. I don't like to overreact off the first day but seeing how many different parts they had and how quickly they were able to mesh and gel together, you can't help but feed into this hype with the Brooklyn Nets.
1: No, I'm I'm definitely with you. Um, the Sage, whatever Kyrie is <laughs> waving around, it's working. It's clearly working. working KD is, he didn't look like, like you know, if somebody told you KD had missed 18 months, 19 months of competitive action. You'd have tripped on him because he looked so comfortable. He, he slid right back into KD, just the shot making, the, you know, the, court, the way he was moving around the court, I was like, yo, ain't nothing wrong with this cat. <laughs> <laughs> that part, and, and
2: like you mentioned with Kyrie, like, still seeing his ability to just, like, he makes the game feel so difficult to play because of his <laughs> skill set. And it's, gonna, it's still going to be very interesting to see how they're able to find ways to get both of them working while also setting up for other people. But, man, like, that's the way they start off on, on day one. Yeah. That, that was extremely, extremely impressive. Kudos to that whole organization, man, because I don't know how you rank the East at this point, and I'm not going to try and overreact and have, you know, put the Nets all the way up top, because I still think, you know, what Boston's doing is still something to watch for, Milwaukee as well, um, and, and even Philly too. you know, who knows if they get James Harden or not, you know, but it's going to be very competitive up top in the East to a point where, I don't know, the West is going to be deeper, don't get me wrong, but. This is going to be fun. I, I think that's something that we could just go ahead and stamp right now. That we I don't think we've been able to say that off rip about the East for a long time. But the East is going to be a lot of fun to follow this year.
1: No, you're right. And, and when's the last time we had that kind of star power shift East? Like, yeah. cats have been going west normally. You, you think about, you got Giannis, back-to-back MVP, KD, an MVP, a two-time finals MVP. You know what I mean? You just start running down the list of talent. The East is not as as shallow as it used to be in terms of power, Yeah. We're not
2: even talking about Toronto. We're not talking about even a team like the Wizards that who knows if they even make the playoffs, but I'm, I'm very interested to see how Beal and, and Westbrook are going to pair because in many ways they feel like they're at the same place in their lives right now. You know what I'm saying? And how that chemistry can fold over onto the court, to
1: me, is going to be so fascinating to watch. Because I think that, had, that team has a good starting five that could surprise some folks this season. It dawned on me, and I know this probably runs through your mind as well, dealing with, you know, the people you deal with, talking to the athletes you talk to, it's how quickly things change, man. Like, you literally blinked a couple years ago, in the Warrior, you know, KD is holding up trophies, and <laughs> now you look up on opening night, the Warriors are on the opposite end of the beatings. They used to hand out people, like, see, his Steph over there was surreal. Like, he's looking bewildered, like, yeah, we're down 20, you know, we're down 30, it's a wrap. That's just, it's, it's jarring to think about.
2: I had to find other things to do because at some point in the third (laughs) quarter, it's like (laughs) I expect a little bit more from the Warriors. You know what I'm saying? Like, and even more so, the most disappointing part in that is just, I mean, you keep thinking Andrew Wiggins at some point is going to be able to just, there's so many opportunities that keep popping up for him to just display something. And he does the bare minimum. If not, you can call it nothing you know, and, you know, it's understandable with Oubre, you know, trying to find a way to this to this new team that you're going to go through those struggles and bumps and grinds. And and obviously Wiseman being a rookie, it's hard to depend a lot on him, even though, you know, he did drop 19 points. That team is is going to be a mess all year. And the fascination with what that mess looks like, because
1: as you say, is this this it for the Warriors? You know? I'm just saying. Is it it? I don't know. I don't know. The clock on a championship team in this league, Once you hit that space, it's usually four years tops. They might have exhausted that window, you know, which is hard to think of. But look at the history of the league. I mean, that's the way it works. You usually have five years if you got a real legit contender. And if you don't max that out, it's somebody else's show. At what point does this team, who obviously just built a brand
2: new arena that they spent a lot of money on, that they haven't seen the benefits from because of COVID, at what point do the financial issues start to pile up? Where you got all these massive contracts, you got to figure out a way to do something about this
1: because you're you're spending a lot
2: on this product and this product is not bringing in the return on investment that you had hoped for.
1: That's a story for somebody's going to have to dig into later, just to see what they become. Obviously, no play Thompson changes the calculus dramatically. Um, you know, for the Warriors, what were your thoughts on? The Lakers Clippers matchup, which the schedule makers, then, you know, it's two years in a row now. It's, it's low hanging fruit. Let's make these dudes play the first game and get everybody amped up. Paul George looked like a dude who's been listening to what we've all been saying about him on social media and in the barbershop. Like <laughs> he took it to heart. Obviously, it's funny because I love
2: that clip on social, the social media that goes viral because it sounded like Paul George when he was on all the smoke. He was just like, it was the coach's fault. <laughs> <laughs> that little kid just screaming at people about how terrible of experience he had last year and using Doc Rivers as a scapegoat. And I mean, he came out involved, you know, 33 points at plus 17 uh, plus or minus rating like he did his thing. And it was a big reason why they were able to win on opening night. Is it something sustainable? That's the biggest question with Paul George. And is and it sustainable within the playoffs where you're able to see this kind of level of play consistently from him? Because the last time I saw him, he was hitting the side of the backboard. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, we, we did see him throw it straight to the ref. You know yeah, what I'm he, saying? Had a, he had a moment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he's he going to give you one of those. You know what I'm saying? like? Very much so, like on Josh Allen in the NFL when you follow him. You know he's going to give you one or two. Even he, if he's falling out. You, you would kind of expect that from PG where he's going to give you one or two of those in, in moments in which you need him. But If he can play like this, man, 13-18 shooting, 5-8 from three-point, like he he had a great game. And and it's hard for me to project whether they're going to be better or not because I was all in on the Clippers last year, and they let me down and let the whole world down, so I'm not going to brag and boast on that stuff. But the one thing I will always find so compelling about Lakers fans is how petty they are. I am envious <laughs> of that. I'm envious. Because, like, they, they went to bed sleeping good. <laughs> I saw Carrie Chibbid tweet out, hey, congrats on your little win, Clippers fans. You know what I'm saying? Like, congrats on your opening day win. Good for you. Like, a little golf clap. And Because they know at the end of the day, they still have a great product. The team got better. They're deeper this year somehow. You know, it, it's... They're gonna be fine. It's and they they know at this point they can just trust the process. They they had less than three months to actually rest and and yeah. you know recover from their bodies from such a gruesome year. They're gonna be fine. Everyone knows they're gonna be fine. So, but for Clippers, I mean, it's it's a nice moral victory, I guess. But who knows if that even means anything in a couple months?
1: Yeah, I mean, you think you would think seventeen banners would allow you to show a little bit of as a fan base, just a just a tiny bit. Uh, of restraint, but nah, 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 not, not them, not, not restraint man. to them, nah. That that ain't in the word in their dictionary. Nah, <laughs> not, not gonna happen. It's generational too. Like my pops is a cold blooded, ice cold Lakers fan. Like Showtime Lakers, Magic, the whole joint. He takes so much pride and love in embarrassing somebody else. You know, like he was. <laughs> He thought he was getting a ring last night the way he was talking trash. I was like, bro, you he- that's how they all sounded, bro. <laughs> they over there watching it. I, I, you can't front though. Hey, the, the touch with the kids and the family, yeah, that
2: was dope. Yo, I hope they do that every single year because that. That that hit different, you know. Yeah. And it, it, even though Bryce and Bronny, you know, at some point it it, it reminds you how human LeBron James still can beat other people. They just still look at him as dad, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And they just look so impressed that he just unimpressed that he won another ring. But <laughs> that that was such a dope experience
1: that I hope they keep doing uh, moving forward. Yeah, that was that was a smooth wrinkle. I I thought the the kids, like you mentioned, and the, the little daughters, and just how cute everybody's family was. I was like, yo, this. Even if you're not a Lakers fan, you had to enjoy that part of the ring ceremony. A shout out to whoever came up with that and, uh, and delivered that to the fans. We've danced around this topic in the preseason in a lot of conversations I've had. And the GM survey came out. They kind of reinforced this. Your jersey clearly, you know, speaks to it. I talked about it when we talked about the best 20, you know, best players under the age of 25 in the league right now. Luka Doncic to me is number one on that list. And I'm not a Luka fan, a Mavs fan. I'm just looking at what a guy puts on wax. Like he put on last year in ways that we haven't seen a a 20, 21 year old guy, average a triple double, basically the best, you know, most efficient offense in the league, top four MVP voting, you know what I mean? Come on, gas him up, bro. Come on, talk to him. Is is this his age? Talk to him. Is this this his era? Like, are we coming, you know, LeBron's year 18. Some of those other guys after LeBron haven't really sorted out who's next. Is it Luka, maybe? Is it his turn?
2: I think Luka next. Because the thing that's helped him is he's had success before he got to the league. And that kind of experience at such a young age is so critical because it it expedites your entire growth and development process of understanding what it takes to to be in this position uh, that others, simply put, are still trying to figure out in a completely different way. And it just shows on the court his vision, his ability to get other people involved, his ability to create for himself, driving the paint, being able to pull up that step back for a game winner. And being cold-blooded, like, he has everything exactly that you're looking for. It's just maintaining that level of consistency. There's always going to be questions about, you know, him being in shape, whoopty, whoopty, whoop. But, you know, look, yeah. h- however he pulls up on the court or whatever he's got to do, he- he's doing that at a, at a very, very high level already as it is. So I just think it's natural. you're going to have to find something to knock about this kid because he's still a kid. You know what I'm saying? And it's completely understandable. But I haven't been this excited about the Mavs in a long, long time because 2011 was my f- greatest sports memory of all time. <laughs> right. Being able to have revenge on, on, on the Heat and D-Wade in 2011 during this team, when everyone thought they were gonna win. No, you couldn't tell me a damn thing after that summer, <laughs> man. Like, I, I, game six, I was at the AAC actually covering it for ESPN Dallas as, as an intern. And I was covering the watch party there at the AAC. And just that experience, it was just so surreal. Everyone honking their cars. I still got my Dallas Morning News uh, clip out from that. The saddest part about that experience was thinking like, cool, like the best part about it, winning championships, like, all right, let's keep doing this. You know what I'm saying? Let, let's, let's bring the band back together. And because of the CBA and the issues that happened and Cuban trying to proactively, uh, trying to account for some salary cap issues that are going to happen, it, it clearly backfired in many ways that wasted the rest of Dirk's career and his prime. And for me as a Mass fan, it was so disappointing just being able to have that taste but not being able to have a, a way of maintaining it. Where this is the most excited I've been, this most excited the city has been. Uh, and you know for the next decade, at least because of Luca that this team is going to be competitive and, and hopefully be able to win a title at some point.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I thought they had pulled the plug on it way, way too soon. You know, Tyson Chandler, some of those guys probably had a couple of good seasons left in where they could have competed at the highest level. And we'll never know. You mentioned the DFW. Um, I'm curious. I've been wondering this. And I got a couple of boys that live in Dallas, but they have transplants. Like, they're not born and raised. That's not their home. They've lived there since college. Did the Metroplex, did they know what they were getting in Luka on draft night? Did they have any idea what was really coming?
2: Nah, not really, man. I, I can't even front. Me personally, I, and I, I think a lot of people felt this way too, Oklahoma's just a couple hours away. Right. You know, this big, this, this big 12 country. So you're seeing Tw- Trey Young pull up from 40, and this <laughs> right. is, when, you know, when Steph Curry's doing that, you're like, oh, yeah, give me some of that. It, it was very attractive to try and seek a way to have Trey Young come here because you knew you are going to have a great – you know the Mavs were going to have a great pick. When they traded that and got Luca, I didn't know how to feel, you know? Again, it's hard to, to understand the European game without the assessment, evaluation, and being able to have the exposure like you do with college basketball. But you're still staying open-minded to it because those balling out, you know what I'm saying, in a way that, that even people over there in Europe are saying they've never seen before. So, all right, cool. Let's see what's up. The thing that sold me, and this is going to sound very – this is going to show you all from Texas, when he said he's had, had in and out but he's, he's heard about Whataburger, and he can't wait to try and when he said that, I'm like, all right, cool, we in, baby. <laughs> we in. Luca, cool. You, you open Whataburger. I don't know what PR person told you to say that. But I'm right. like, man, because I'm, I'm warming up to the idea. And, man, just seeing him off rip, just ball out in the way that he did, everyone jumped on immediately at that point. And, and it, it brought people back in, you know, in the AAC with that level of excitement again. And, and knowing that something was being built here, it was just a matter of what it was going to look like and how long it was going to take. But you knew you had the piece that you had been looking for for so long after striking out every damn year in the draft, striking out in free agency. L- Luca re-sparked the energy here uh, c- that I feel like truly, man, you know, we get known as a football town, you know what I'm saying, because of Cowboys and, and Texas high school football, man. But, you know, the first sporting event I ever went to was a Mavs game. You know what I'm saying, like like hoop it up three on threes, like all them tournament stuff like that. The rec centers, all this stuff here, like there's a lot of hoopers in this place, you know, in, in, in the city. That obviously Chris Bosh has done a great job representing as man, and I don't think it gets highlighted in the same way as football does. And when you get opportunities, when the Mavs are good, when you get opportunities because of people like Dirk or Luca, it kind of reenergizes the city again and reminding us of, of the basketball city and town the appreciation that we have for this for the sport that oftentimes gets overlooked. So that's the part I love because it 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 brings out the whole city in a way that. Other sports simply don't.
1: For us older generations, my all-time favorite hooper that's not from my home state of Michigan is from Dallas, Larry Johnson. Like, first time I ever saw Larry Johnson with that gold, yeah, I was like, I was <laughs> done. The gold tooth, the part, I had the part down the middle, the whole nine. So, shout out to Dallas for sure on, on the hoop tip. This Christmas day matchup with the Lakers and the Mavericks is is one of obviously five games, but to me, the highlight game this the showcase game. Last year, that Mavericks Lakers game that was on that Friday night, Halloween weekend. Hey. Like the whole party was kicking it, doing whatever. And I was like in front of the big screen. I was like, I'll get back with y'all. And like, I got to watch the end of this game. That was when Luca, even great rookie season. But that night, going at LeBron the way he did, I was like, this dude is cut a little different. I'm looking forward to the Christmas Day games, all of them, obviously, a fantastic slate, starting early, finishing late. But that Lakers, Mavericks and Luka with a chance to do some more of what we saw from him in the bubble where he went at the Clippers. That's the part about Luka's game I love is that he he recognizes the moment and then doesn't shy away from going at somebody in that moment. You hear
2: that LeBron's voice, too, with the amount of respect that he has for Luka in a way that he really doesn't do outside of his clutch family. You know what I'm saying? And he speaks with so much respect for Luca for how young he is and how much of a dog he is because I think, simply put, LeBron respects it because it it challenges him in a way that forces him, you know, in year 18, as people call him Wash, to bring out the best of him in, in ways that, you know, maybe he doesn't feel from other competitors that he faces in the same mm-hmm. capacities he does with Luca. I think as you said, it's a testament to Luca, man, his competitive drive that he has, his fearlessness. And I mean, some of that I think it just has to do with how young he is too. In many ways, you just become naive. You're like, all right, this is who it is. This the this the dog, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> is that if that's the game we play here, then then Luca has shown time and time again he's capable of doing it. But yeah, when he was going toe to toe with LeBron, that game. At that point, you're, you're mapping out the next decade of Mavs fandom, and, and I'm trying to figure out ways to get season tickets after that. You know what I'm saying? Because you just know, you know, regardless of what happens with Porzingis, which at this point you can't really count for him anymore. a a question mark? You know, he, he's a huge question mark. you got to build that team and roster as they've done, at least, you know, with just some of the moves that they made. You kind of have to build it, like, without him in mind. And if he comes, it's an it's addition you have, which is crazy to say because he's making almost $30 million this year. But it, that's the situation that they're in. But being able to still know that you've got Luca as your centerpiece, that you can always find other complementary pieces to build around him, you know that this team is going to be relevant and competitive over the next decade. And I think he's going to be the one that ends up passing the baton from LeBron. And that's no disrespect to Giannis at all. I, I'm a huge fan of Giannis, and obviously you can't disrespect a back-to-back MVP and what he's been capable of doing. But there's still an absence of his game in terms of being well-rounded. And until he develops that jump shot, there's still a way that, in which, as the Heat displayed and as Jimmy Butler displayed, that you can still beat the Bucs. Uh, and, and and a lot of that just has to deal with, you know, the growth and evolution of Giannis, which I believe he can do. I think he's determined and hungry in a way to, to figure out how to, how to establish his jumper uh, as the confidence comes, I think, you know, he's got a couple of years to still figure that out. Uh, but with Lucas, it's, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's battery sold separately. You know what I'm saying? All you got to do is just, you know, he, he's ready to go out the box. You know what I'm saying? And that that that's that's going to create a, a completely different
1: growth trajectory in a way where uh, compared to someone that simply just has a difficulty to shoot. He was a completely plug-and-play star as a rookie that, that was shocking to me. I, I had heard about him, I, you know, you talk to scouts, especially guys that, that scout in Europe, and they'll tell you about a dude when he's 12, 13, 14 years old, you know, like, be on the lookout for this dude in four or five years. The buzz on Luca wasn't at all what I was expecting. Like, normally they talk about these cats it's, they give you the deficiencies, and then they're like, but he's talented. With Luca, it was like, no, nah, no, nah, dude's legit somebody's going to have to figure out how to deal with him when he gets to the league. And I was like, yo. So when you first see him, it's like how much of this is just that newness. But then when you talk to older players and former players and they're telling you like, yo, that dude is genuine. That's like, that's the real deal right there. That, that kind of got me on board quicker with this idea that Luca jumped some people in the line. Now there's some young stars who were supposed to be that next guy. Luca jumped them. It to me, goes into this season now is as, as that that next one. I know everybody's going to be locked in on Christmas Day. Like I said, there's games for every set of fans wherever you are. But that Lakers-Mavs game—that's that's where you pull out the glasses and get locked in on it.
2: That's the APM Eastern game for a reason. You know what I'm saying? And going back to your point, though, like it—that's probably one of the more difficult things for a European player to have—is—is—is is, is the validation from former athletes and current athletes in the NBA because the barriers that exist just simply put being on the other side of the globe. And the, the, as you mentioned, guys always being hyped up and not living up to the hype, whether it's because of scouts or agents, you know, all these different people in the game, you know, just trying to gas it up so they can build up this person and cash in however they can. Rarely do you see the talk match with the walk, you know, in, in a way that it has with Luca, And it's so quickly as it has with Luca that you, you had no other choice but to, to validate and, and put your stamp of approval on that. Because at some point, if you don't, you just hate and <laughs> nobody wants to be hating in that kind of way, especially when such, it's so undeniable when it's right in front of you.
1: Master, I, I want finally for you to give me a good idea of the temperature of the league on and off the court, the culture of it. I know you are immersed in it on a daily basis, dealing with all of these, you know, athletes and, and different people. Is it in a healthy place? I remember towards the end of one era, like when we knew Michael Jordan was exiting the league there was this never-ending search, it seemed like, for whoever was going to carry the torch next. LeBron, despite the idea that he looks like he could play to he 50, is going to have to stop at some point. Absolutely. Is, is the league's checkup healthy right now going into the twilight of LeBron's career, do you think? Just overall, not just one specific player, but the league itself. I think you can't help but look at this talent pool and just
2: talk about how, how healthy it is at this moment. I mean, when you got guys like Jamal Murray balling up out of nowhere in the bubble, you know what I'm saying? And, and you got Donovan Mitchell in Utah. You're looking at these small franchises that have guys that I want to watch, on League pass. You know, and, and that to me is always the indicator of how healthy the talent is uh, for a certain league is that if I'm looking at a small market team that diff- typically has a difficult time getting guys in free agency and has to draft guys and develop guys, and they're going to get at a, a very high all-star level or first team all-NBA level, uh, that to me is always a clear sign. You look at Portland, you look at Dame and C.J., Obviously, we talked about Milwaukee and you got Giannis. I just mentioned uh, Utah and Denver, even Memphis with John Morant, man. I, I just bought, I had to buy that city edition John Morant jersey, man. <laughs> I, that, that, like, I, I rock with how he's moving. And, and I think a lot of it translates also into the personalities of these people. You know what I'm saying? You have a better idea of understanding the individual and, and, and what drives them, who they are. You know, social media is still, you know, for better or for worse, how people feel about it. You still get a good glimpse of these people in ways that you really haven't before. And when I'm, I'm, I'm seeing how, how much of a dog job Moran is on the court and I'm following him on social media and I'm seeing him back that talk in, in, in a way that to me feels, you know, very relatable. Yeah. I can't help but support this dude. I can't help but watch the Grizzlies. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing that I think ha- has created a healthy environment culturally and also from a talent perspective. Obviously, financially, it's a whole different story with COVID. Um, in terms of the issues that are going on, uh, in terms of revenue. And obviously, as we talk about COVID, the the health issues that exist that are still very, very terrifying, especially as you see what happened uh, at at Florida with the men's basketball team there. It, it, It is still a terrifying experience as a fan to sit here and watch these games not knowing what's going to happen possibly as a result of this you know, this this uh, global pandemic that we still don't even know the long-term effects of this. Uh, and so I, I do not want to lose sight of that because it's something that's always going to be consciously on my mind and probably on the minds of a lot of people, whether they want to subconsciously or consciously acknowledge that. But in terms of just like from a cultural standpoint, man, it, it, it couldn't be in a better position. And and it, it's it's going to continue to be exciting to see all of these under 25 guys, as you mentioned, continue to grow and elevate their own game. And you know, be that next group, that next generation. You know, I, I think about the Nike commercial, you know what I'm saying, with the uh, with the, the Joel Santana track, you know right. what I'm saying, the second coming. Like, you can't help but look at this generation of players that are coming up right now and feel the same way.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it, man. Listen, I appreciate you taking the time. Man. Always great to talk NBA basketball and, and everything that comes with it. Master Tez, Bleach Report. Untold stories, like I said, if you haven't taken a deep dive into that, you need to. It's out there. Make sure you check it out. Happy holidays to you, brother. Stay safe and uh, enjoy this season, man. Likewise, man.
2: Happy holidays. Happy New Year to everybody, man. Likewise to you and your fam, man. Stay safe. No
1: doubt. Appreciate that. Master Ted joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Enjoy the Christmas Day games. We'll see you again after the holiday right here on the Hangtime Podcast.
0: This episode of NBA Hangtime is produced by Sean Bartley alongside Kendall Garris and Morgan Mitchell.